You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I am Alelia Bundles, Madam C.J. Walker's great-great-granddaughter and biographer, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Amy Aniobi, writer-producer on HBO's Insecure, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Gina Prince-Bicewood, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, it's Sanaa Lathan, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Peace, y'all. What's up? This is Akil, the MC from the Jurassic 5, and you are now tuned in to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Yeah, I like nerdy girls. All right, peace. tuning in to episode 158 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. In this episode features actor Marcus Scribner and Hollywood producer Jason Blum. Two segments. In our very first segment, we talked to Blackish star Marcus Scribner. Marcus is actually nominated for an NAACP Image Award for Best Supporting Actor. He talks to us about his successful career on the ABC hit show Blackish, also his upcoming work on the Netflix animated series Shira and the Princesses of Power. In our second segment, we talk to the creator of Blumhouse Productions, Jason Blum. Jason is known for a ton of movies, mostly in the horror genre. But most recently, his production company was involved in the film Black Klansman, which took away an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Jason talks about his latest project, Happy Death Day to You, which is the sequel to Happy Death Day. And this segment is hosted by Jayandra. Our first segment is hosted by yours truly. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 158 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast with Marcus Scribner and Jason Blum. Marcus Scribner is best known for starring as Andre Johnson Jr. on the ABC sitcom Blackish and voicing the character Bo in the critically acclaimed Netflix animated series Shira and the Princesses of Power. Hey Marcus, how's it going? I'm doing good, doing good. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you too. Yeah, so um, the last time I talked to you was a long time ago. Uh, you had just pretty much finished the first season of Blackish, and I wanted to know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it was a while. It was a minute ago. Um, yeah. I was curious to know how has your character Andre changed from season one up until now. Um, and just all the physical changes, but then his attitude-wise, 
realize Ross, but like he's definitely stepping into his own, um, realizing his own uh, potential and his own worth and stuff, standing up to Dre um, when he tries to bully him um, down for no reason. So um, it's nice to see the character shift. He's still the same junior in the fact that he's, he's excited about life. He's, he's gullible and he likes to have fun and he's never really been, but is, um, he is realizing that it's not okay to take this from his dad. So now he's uh, now he's standing up for himself and he's raising his voice. He's also stepping out on his own when it comes to his career, which is kind of cool. Um, taking a new path. So it's it's, it's a, there's a lot of changes for Junior. He obviously doesn't play field hockey anymore, so that's changed as well. <laughs> Do you feel as Junior evolves and deals with life's changes that you're also changing similar to how he's doing it in the same way? Yeah, I think it's what's, what's really dope is that the writers have made it so that the character kind of evolves on like a real-life pattern, like a real-life trajectory, which is kind of cool because a lot of um, sitcom characters kind of stay stagnant in time. It's like they have Tommy over there telling the same joke for 10 years, and it's like, uh, he's not 10 anymore. It's not cute. So it's like... Uh, it's cool to see the uh, the growth with Junior, and um, I definitely do think we've aged on the same uh, pathway a little bit. Obviously, he has a ton of different life experiences that I don't have, and I obviously have life experiences that he doesn't have. So um, we are different people, but it, it is cool to see Junior going through the aging process like uh, like anybody else would. This has been. I wanted to kind of shift a little bit to talk about geek stuff because I know you're you're a big geek and uh, <laughs> and and I know you love your comics as well and I'm sure you were just as excited as I was seeing uh, Spider Verse this past year. Um, but you know, if if given the shot, if given the opportunity, is there a superhero that you're interested in playing? There's just so many. I feel like the most likely one to be made is Miles Morales Spider-Man, mm-hmm. which I love. Miles Morales is sick. I mean, obviously, he has the Sonic Blast and the invisibility cloak. He's just got so many tools that normal Spider-Man Peter Parker doesn't have, which I think is dope. Um, and he's just a super fun character. I feel like Spider-Man always is just super fun. And plus, the Miles Morales suit is honestly, I think, cooler than the normal Peter Parker suit with the black and red I like that color scheme uh-huh. um, something else that I think would be super dope I know they did like a TV show adaption of it for a little bit um, just Static Shock I feel like it would be a really nice. cool character if they brought that to the, to the big screen that would be like a dream come true my dream one of my two dream powers so it, it's, it's a toss up between telekinesis because like telekinesis would just be like broken like you could move stuff um, it's useful in combat, but then also it has practical uses. Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, I want heat vision and stuff. And it's like, how many times are you going to actually be fighting people? You really want something that's useful, too. <laughs> so, um, telekinesis has been a dream, but then a lightning, electricity powers. I don't know why. I just think electricity is sick. Um, so, yeah, I think Static Shock or Miles and Miles Spider-Man, top two superheroes I'd love to play. <laughs> There's a lot of black superheroes in comics that have like lightning, electricity powers. You've got static yeah, shock, and <laughs> you did you see that meme? Like somebody had a meme of all of these black heroes that had the lightning. Um, yeah, 
yeah. powers. <laughs> but it's so it's so weird. I don't know why that's like a designated power for black people. You know what I mean? Right, right. So I love I love it. So I'm like, all right, I'm here for it. You know. <laughs> Well, I want to congratulations to you on the uh, NAACP Award nomination for Outstanding Supporting Actor. Um, How are you feeling about that right now? Ah, It's such an honor. It's it's a huge honor. I was um, nominated before in the kid category when I was younger, so it's dope to be recognized in the Supporting Actor category along with Lawrence um, some other amazing, talented actors. Really nice to be recognized for your work, and it's dope to um, see what the NAACP is doing. They're such an amazing organization that has been around for so many years, and have honored so many just amazingly talented individuals. So getting to be amongst that crowd is 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 crazy. At 19 years old, I'm like, whoa, look at this! Like, um, and it's very, it's, it's honestly inspired me because I'm like, wow, if I can this what else can I do so yeah um, and I think a lot of other people um, should look towards that you know just looking at things that they've accomplished in the past um, to let them know what they can do in the future so um, and would shoot even higher I'm so so happy about this NAACP award nomination yeah it's it's fantastic we to take the dub, obviously. what's that <laughs> I said but we try to take the dub obviously <laughs> Well, here's to many more award nominations and uh, wins to come for you because you, you've done so remarkable of a job with playing this character on Blackish for so many seasons. Um, and some people may not some people may not know this about you, but you've done some activist work, and I, I saw somewhere that you um, talked with Congressman Karen Bass about low voter turnout, among other issues. So how how are you using your platform to get younger voters to participate in the 2020 election? Um, I feel like proof of our power was in the last election that we had. We elected a lot of um, senators and congressmen. Uh, women and men of color into the Senate and along with like sexual orientation at different ages. So I feel like representation of your vote is really important. I feel like we can really do that when we get out there and and work together to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the last question was insane. Like everybody, everybody on Instagram was telling everybody to vote and it actually increased our 18 to 24 demographic when it came to um, voting, voter registration, and actual votes, which I thought was cool, um, and just an example of what we can do if we all come together and, and put it out there, so using my platform um, to express um, that need for, for, for others to make their voice heard, like, I, um, obviously, I'd love for people to agree with me, but you don't need to agree with me, I, I just want everyone to go out there and make sure that they're, uh, that they're making their voice heard and what they want to happen in this world. Um, happened. So, um, yeah, I, I think the last election was definitely proof of our power in that. And then um, yeah. talking to Congressman with that, it was, was an amazing opportunity. Um, we talked about foster care reform as well, um, which is a super, it's an intense system because being, being an 18-year-old foster kid is, 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 is a sad situation. I remember growing up, I excited for my 18th birthday but most foster kids like kind of dread it and the mm-hmm. fact that the state is basically your 
your parents, but as soon as you turn 18, you're kicked out of your house, mm. um, left with no life skills. And um, uh, Ms. Bass works with a, an organization that helps to put uh, foster youth through uh, college and teach them um, work skills and give them housing. Um, and we were talking about expanding that program and um, what we can do in legislation to um, ease the foster youth um, issue. Because you go down to Skid Row and you see faces as young as mine um, wow. out on the streets. Um, and even younger. And it's um, definitely an issue that needs to be looked at. Yeah, I, I just commend you for, you know, stepping up and, and talking about those issues because you being who you are, a lot of people look up to you and a lot of people follow your Instagram feed and social media feed and, and you talking about these issues can bring to light something that isn't always talked about. So um, yeah. thank you for using your, your platform for good. <laughs> thank you so much, yeah. Your next project is, which I'm really excited about, you're doing the voice of Bo on She-Ra and the Princess of Power on Netflix. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that character? Um, Bo is, is he's a super fun character to play. I mean, he's, he's fun-loving, he loves his friends more than anything, he's super loyal, um, and he's just a super bad archer, like, who doesn't love bows and arrows, like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and Shira, he's, um, he's definitely more of a supporting figure, which I think is dope. There's not a lot of male supporting figures in, um, in animation. I think in Shira in total, we have like two lead males, me and Seahawk, who's voiced by Jordan Fisher. So it's like, um, it's really, really cool to see, um, an all female cast just like kicking butt, taking names. I remember, um, my younger cousin, um, well, two younger cousins actually, Jackson and Timothy, they both watched the entire season, and I was like, yo, do you want, like, the bow action figures? Uh, is the bow super dope? Kind of get them to love my character, obviously. Um, <laughs> and they were like, nah, we want she figures, and I was like, okay, like, I'm a little hurt, but, like, that's really cool, so. Um, yeah, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's a super dope show that's kind of reflecting real life, um, social norms and so um and diversity and and just what's going on in the world around you like there's people of different colors sexual orientation mm. um ages like one of our princesses of power is literally like 10 years old it, wow. um it's super cool and it's a super fun show to be a part of now, you mentioned your cousin saw it. I, I know She-Ra was, like, way before your time because I actually own the dolls, and I watched the original series back in the day. So did you watch any of the old clips of the animated series to prepare for this role? I did because um, my mom was super excited as well. She was like, She-Ra. And I'm like, <laughs> I'd, I'd heard of She-Ra because my, my mom loves She-Ra and my dad loves He-Man, so I'd heard of She-Ra. Um, previously, but I've never seen any episodes. Um, so we watched an episode, and it was just super, it's funny to see the difference between current she and old she mm-hmm. Um A lot of the character traits are kind of still there. I mean, Bo is still, like, he's still a good, he was a good guy back in the day. He was always there for his friends. Same thing with Kurt, Bo. His skin color and age have obviously shifted a little bit. He's gotten a little less small. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's cool to see the, the shift between the different um, the different ages of tele- 
then at the same time, we kept a lot of the central features for each character, um, personality-wise, which I think is kind of fun and an homage to the old show. Um, I was voted to talk like, we need to save She-Ra anymore, so it's kind of, uh, <laughs> it, that's also a huge difference. Um, animation style a bit. A lot of people say She-Ra feels like an anime, which I, which I think is kind of dope, because I love anime. Yeah, it, um, it looks, and also the animation looks a lot like Steven Universe, I noticed. Oh, yeah, it does look like, I, I can see Steven Universe animation. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's why we're getting, like, a huge, uh, um, fan, fan, fandom following on the, uh, on the, uh, Instagrams. We have a lot of, uh, ship pages, people who ship capture and characters and stuff. You go down the rabbit hole on Instagram, you find a lot of things. <laughs> Well, that's that's comforting to know as a fan of She-Ra from back in the day that, you know, there's some similarities between the old series and the new. Um, so that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, what's next for you, Marcus? Um, we have a lot of projects in the work that I've been writing um, and working on producing as well. Um, I have a movie that I worked on. not sure when it's going to be um, aired. The Epic Lairs of Optimus TV. That was a fun project. Um, independent film confessionals um, also a pretty dope uh, project about this like confession booth um, murder mystery situation which is very big but you have to see the movie to figure it out so um, that was a dope project to work on as well and then I just have some stuff coming up in the summer hiatus so we're, we're trying to take it to the top you know that's what's up well, thank you so much, Marcus, for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds, and it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, yeah great talking to you as well. So it was one of your resolutions to get in shape this year. Well, guess what? It's not too late to take control of your fitness journey this new year. Beachbody On Demand is an easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to a wide variety of super effective workouts that you can do from the comfort of your living room 24-7. And listen, this program has a history of success. This is the same company behind P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, T25, the Brazilian Butt Lift, Plio, Hip Hop Abs, 3 Week Yoga Retreat, and so much more. I decided to give this program a try myself and I really like the fact that it's custom designed for anyone. I am not someone that usually does workouts. I am not someone that's at the gym all the time. So there's beginner, intermediate, and advanced. So if you're someone like me and you're just getting started, this is a great opportunity to get a workout in. Or if you're someone that loves to go to a gym and you're a gym rat, there are advanced sections of this program just for you. It's easy to access anywhere, anytime. You can view it on your computer, your web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, Roku, Apple TV, Chromecast, you name it, you can access it. Easy, convenient, get your workout in. And guess what? We at Black Girl Nerds are giving all of our listeners a special free trial membership, including their 14-day results plan, where you can lose up to nine pounds in the first two weeks. So what you need to do is text BGN to 303030. All right? Text BGN to 303030. You'll get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts, the nutrition information, and the results plan to get you super fast results and support. And guess what? 
It's totally free. So again, just text BGN to 303030. Jason Blum is an American film producer and the founder and CEO of the company Blumhouse Productions. He won the 2014 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding TV Movie for producing The Normal Heart and has received nominations for Academy Award Best Picture for producing Whiplash, Get Out, and Black Klansmen. Just this past evening on Oscar night, Black Klansmen took the award for Best Adapted Screenplay. I'm excellent. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Thank you for speaking with me again. I enjoyed speaking with you at the junket, and I just wanted to ask you uh, a couple more questions about Happy Death Day to you and just the the Bloomhouse universe as a whole, if that's okay. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, when we last spoke, you called Happy Death Day uh, to you the sweet spot of the Bloomhouse universe. With the sweet spot, is this the final death to make room for a new sweet spot, or is there room for more than one sweet spot? Well, there's definitely room for more than one sweet spot. But what I what I sort of meant is it's kind of it's Chris Landon who we've done seven movies with, so mm-hmm. so we do a lot of um, repeat business with our directors. It's a low budget, high concept, super entertaining, original, clever movie, and those all uh, are are adjectives I would put to describe. That's awesome. Um, it is. It is. I like the way you describe that. It is a high concept movie considering the budget, and I enjoyed watching both of them back to back. With oh, good. within the within the Bloomhouse universe, there's some really specific themes. There's social commentary and fear, mental imprisonment. How would you describe the vetting process for a project you all take on? Because we make low-budget on the movie side, TV is different, but on the movie side, because we make low-budget movies, um, we have the luxury to kind of choose movies very differently than the way, you know, big Hollywood movies are chosen. And usually big, expensive Hollywood movies are chosen based on comparing them to movies that are like them that have been successful. And we get to do the opposite. You know, we get to say, first of all, and most importantly, do we like it? And then... Does it feel like something we've already seen? And if it feels like something we've already seen, usually we then don't make it. Mm-hmm. But what we what we tend to gravitate towards are scripts that we like and that feel new and original. And I would certainly say both Happy Death Day and the sequel again squarely fit into that description. Yeah, they def- they definitely do. I tried to rack my brain to find something similar. And I just really couldn't. And that was that was pretty awesome in a time where we see so many of the same thing. In oh, a, good. I agree. In, in recent years, you've had such great success. I mean, you've had great success for many years. But most recently with Get Out, Glass, the nomination of Black Klansmen. When you see and now Happy Death Day to you is on the verge of hitting theaters. When you find out or get that first word that the project is performing well, what's the first thing you do to celebrate another successful project? Uh, what's the first 
first thing I do. I I, uh, I probably should celebrate more, but I but I but I get a uh, I get a great I get a I get a I get a real bounce in my step, and mm-hmm. I'm always conscious about how long it lasts. Mm-hmm. I try and make it last as long as possible, but um, but it certainly puts me in a very very good mood, and that's uh, you know that's really all I can ask for. I don't I don't do much more than that, but I feel uh, I feel I feel very jubilant for for uh, for a few days or a week or a month. When you look at uh, the characters in Happy Death Day to you, they're so they're fun, but they're characters that we can all relate to that we may have known in our college years or just our our neighborhood lives. Which of the characters do you think most resonated with you that that just amused you or entertained well, you the I know, most? I know, you know, she, she, she's a woman and I'm a man, but I think <laughs> the most relatable character is Jessica. I think what what's so the character that is Tree, the character Jessica plays, and I think mm-hmm. what's so one of the things that's so compelling about the movie is is Jessica's a, 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 a an extraordinary talented actress because specifically in the Happy Death Day movies, you know, she plays someone who's who's she's, the character is kind of annoying, mm-hmm. and you still really love and relate to her mm-hmm. uh, as a man or a woman, and I think that's. Um, very, very hard to pull off. Hard to play a character that's not that likable, but still relatable. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the reasons I think both movies are so compelling is uh, is Jessica's performance. Is there a way to co-mingle Happy Death Day to you with other projects under the umbrella? Is, is there a way to intersect them, like Glass with Split? Is there a way to pull it in with something else? Yeah, there, for sure there is. Some movies are easier to intermingle than others because it's a, the rights are, uh, are are it's a tangled web of rights. But uh, but there definitely is ways to uh, to intermingle them, and it's something that I um, I would like to do. I don't have any definitive plans to do, but we're not definitely going to do it. But I would like to try, and it's it's kind of rattling around in my head, and maybe maybe someday I'll figure it out. All right, and lastly, uh, all of the teasers are are starting to run now. For the S movie, can you give us any secrets? Any secrets? I certainly can't. Jordan would put me. Uh, Jordan would put me in a dungeon if I gave any secrets away on his movie. But uh, but uh, I'm enjoying the responses to the to the secrets that we've let out so far. Awesome. Or that Jordan has, that Jordan has let out so far, I should say. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much again for your time. Happy Death Day to you. It was super cool and super fun, and I know the audiences will enjoy it as much as the first one. If not more. Awesome. Well, thanks. thanks again. Thanks for talking to me again. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. The Black Girl Nerds Podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.